Remembering when, exactly, things changed is oftentimes impossible to do. But that's what happens with time, with age, with growth. We usually remember how things once were and how they are now. The events that set things off, the inciting incident, isn't usually nearly as clear-cut as it is in the movies. This is a complaint you'll hear at any given moment if you happen to encounter the very rare native Washingtonian still living in Washington, D.C. The place is just not the same, and it feels like it underwent some type of cosmetic surgery because it's barely recognizable to those who thought they knew it well. But this type of alteration wasn't all that instantaneous. It's been this gradual chipping away at the little things that has since begun causing the place to look like something that it's not. Let me be more clear. So we all can agree that living in a major city, any major city, comes with certain expectations. There's a bit more life, so to speak, inside the city than out. There are more people in any given area. There's more to do, generally speaking. It's much busier than the burbs, and because of this, it's much louder. Everyone knows this. So if you value things like less traffic, slower pace, fewer things to do, less noise, and overall boredom, there are ample places inside and outside this country that would be perfect for you and would welcome you with open arms. But one of the busiest intersections in one of the most populated cities in one of the most populated countries in the world probably shouldn't be among your choices of places to live. Shawnee's Gilmore's family is from the Shaw neighborhood, just a few blocks south of Howard University. So the traffic, the fast pace, the number of things to do and the noise are not new to her. In fact, growing up around here, she knew to expect the sounds of buses and car horns screaming at each other, debates about the likelihood of the football team making a run, and go-go music, which was always blaring from the store on the Florida-Georgia line, so to speak, that corner where Florida and Georgia avenues intersect, where this store with this signature music has been a staple of this neighborhood since 1995. The action or process of settling among and establishing control over the indigenous people of an area. That is the dictionary definition of colonization. And some people just can't help themselves. Perhaps an antiquated notion and a term not generally used to describe what's going on today, but why not? 
See, 1995 was a generation ago, and back then, no one thought that 24 years later in 2019, the longtime residents, many of whose Shawnees knew well and had grown up with, would be encouraged to get behind a socio-political movement in order to preserve what little semblance of their community was left, finding themselves saying, tweeting, and even wearing t-shirts bearing the phrase, don't mute DC. Why? Well, instead of choosing to move to a place with less traffic, slower pace, fewer things to do, and no noise, some people are willfully choosing to settle among and, of course, establish control and influence over the indigenous people of this area. And it's happening like crazy to native Washingtonians. This means that street artists, bands, and amplified music, or as they call it, noise, has to go because, well, because the colonizers don't like it. See, these things that seem little or insignificant about a place are in fact part of the fabric. It's actually part of what makes the place, the place. And I won't claim to know all of the reasons why people choose to live where they choose to live, why someone would pick out a neighborhood and then select a place in that neighborhood, visit that neighborhood and place with their realtor when I'm sure the music was playing during that visit, sign a lease, or worse, a mortgage, move in, and then turn around and try to make the neighborhood something that it's clearly not. Like most social issues, especially in this very political town, the request to, quote, turn it down, referring to the music, turned into days of protesting and a town hall. Of course, not everybody protesting lived in this neighborhood, and I dare to say that not even all the protesters necessarily wanted to hear the music all the time themselves. But they were angry and fighting over the principle. DC's culture is being eroded, and we are not going to keep standing by and letting this happen. So yes, we protested over the playing of music because... Shit, the colonizers shouldn't get every fucking thing they want all the time. Don't Mute DC turned into a petition to keep the music, and it was signed by over 80,000 people. Shawnice isn't a kid anymore. She's now 32. She manages the office of a psychiatry firm across town, but she still lives in the same Shaw neighborhood. And although she can see her neighborhood, her entire hometown for that matter, changing rapidly before her eyes, she can still walk down Georgia Avenue and experience the sound of buses and car horns screaming at each other, debates about the football team's need to make an ownership change, and go-go music bumping from that little store on the corner. If the colonizers have it their way, Shawnee's knows that this scene won't look like this for very much longer. So the street corner that she used to just overlook as, well, a street corner, she now embraces as part of the city culture, as a landmark or memorial of sorts. Oh, and funny thing, the street incidentally with all the music and life and what some would consider noise is actually a landmark street called Chuck Brown Way dedicated in 2009 after one of the city's most famous musicians and the godfather of the genre you can now hear thumping when you go by. 
I'm Kayana Ebony Brown, and this is a story of music and men. When I turned 18, I finally got my first car, an already 16-year-old Nissan Altima. It was taupe inside, aubergine on the outside, and before I'd even been the owner a full year, all four hubcaps had mysteriously vanished, seemingly all at once. But the cool thing was, when I was really feeling nostalgic, I could pop in a cassette tape because the player still worked. Although that was probably the only thing that still functioned without some kind of jimmy rig to assist its operation. Now, I was almost 10 years older, and so was the car. Now, I aged quite well, if I do say so myself. The car, though? Mm, not so much. Short distances weren't as scary, so I reserved its use for important errands like grocery shopping, where today I lost track of time after getting caught up tasting samples of pumpkin spice nonsense and talking about it with old people. So that afternoon, I was late for an appointment at my own house. Apparently, the wall around the property was slowly collapsing. The house was built in 1900, a Victorian row house just blocks away from Eastern Market. So despite a few rounds of renovations throughout its lifetime, the wall had met its match with Father Time. So it either needed to be reinforced, rebuilt, or taken down altogether. I was scheduled to meet an engineer at two to assess the damage and get the verdict, which, of course, I would give to my father. I pulled into a parking space right in front of my house and immediately noticed the guy with a white shirt tucked into his jeans, already walking around the wall and taking notes. I quickly got out of the car with an apology already written all over my face as I approached him. But before I could say anything, he introduced himself. Gideon Lamar, GL Engineering. While offering a handshake. Uh, hi. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, I'm late. I said, accepting his hand. Traffic? He asked with a smile before looking back at my car and saying, Or car trouble? condescendingly. Uh, no. Um, no real excuse. I just, I'm late. Just late. And he accepted that with a smile and said, Ah, don't sweat it. Late happens. I was a bit relieved that he wasn't a jerk about it. Um, I went ahead and got started out here. Will the, uh, man of the house be joining us today? I could immediately read that this question was not as professional as it might be or should be construed. I answered anyway, knowing that his question was meant to provide deeper insight that had nothing to do with a father and more so to do with whether I was single. Um, uh, no, he, he won't. Now in those five seconds I'd known him, I hadn't entertained the idea of whether Gideon was attractive or not until that very moment. Because, well, I'd like to say that it was because I was professional and assumed he'd keep it that way too. But 
that wasn't the reason. Gideon could have been maybe 45, give or take a few years, and he was fit, had all of his hair and had very little, if any, gray. But honestly, I almost never initially see men as attractive options when they're over a certain age. Not that I couldn't, I just never did. But now that I had been presented with the idea of whether to consider Gideon as an option, well, I guess he was kind of good looking. It still felt weird to me trying to see someone, probably 20 years my senior, in that way. He spent the next 20 minutes explaining things to me about the integrity of the retaining wall surrounding the house pointing out cracks and splits in the concrete, talking about weeping holes and drainage concerns, while, of course, sneaking in a few personal questions like, did you grow up in D.C.? What do you do for a living? And a collection of others that led to more specificity about who, exactly, that man of the house really was, which, once he found out that it was my father, ultimately led to, Do you have an email address where I could send you a quote for the work? Um, sure, I responded, taking the yellow pad and pen he'd been using to take notes. You know what? Actually, you can just email it to the one you have on file. It's my dad's. He's paying for it anyway. Well, um, since you're the one who I'm building this rapport with, would you mind if... I just called you to discuss any further details about this. And before I could answer, he added, Of course, I would also like to talk with you about more than a wall. Of course, if you don't mind. And like most women, I had no idea how to avoid the unsolicited personal number inquiry. So I wrote my number on the pad as if I didn't mind. I watched as he went across the street to a small, relatively new, company-marked pickup truck and nodded a cordial goodbye to me as he pulled off. With all of the age talk lately, I was curious. I had met my fair share of frogs. Could Prince Charming actually be a man of a certain age? After I put my groceries away, I headed down to one of my favorite record stores to meet up with Stax before we headed out to the movies. As movie buffs, Stax and I had always made it a priority post-Thanksgiving to see the films that might be Oscar contenders in February. I never discriminate based on age. I fucked a 50-year-old when I was 25. It's all the same in the dark. He said before looking over at me with a wicked smile while flipping through the classic rock section intently, although having no real intention of buying anything. I had told him about my encounter with the older gentleman, and of course, he had an opinion. The key is confidence, he went on. The same way you go after what you want when it comes to music is the same tenacity you need to have when it comes to guys. A woman that knows what she wants, whether she's 50 or 15, is always a turn-on. Wait, you're turned on by 15-year-olds? You're missing the point. Men just aren't as intimidating as you make us out to be. Shit, we're really not even all that sophisticated. 
You're missing the point, I said. I'm not really all that interested in older men. I'm sorry. I mean, not that much older anyway. I mean, how, how old are we talking? I don't know. 40-something? I looked at him for a response of some kind, but he just kept flipping through records like I hadn't just said something outrageous. And then he offered. You know, I can see you with an older guy. The entertainment business can be very demanding. An older man may be more settled and apt to understand and accept your schedule and your pace. I'd never even thought about that. Then he went on. We become a little less selfish as we get older. I have to admit, I think an older man might be better for support and stability. Sometimes Stax could say things so profound and insightful that it would change my entire outlook of an issue. Oh, shit. Look at this, he screamed. He pulled the album completely out of the holder and handed it to me. Tequila by the Champs. You remember Pee-wee's big adventure, like dancing in the bar? He began doing the dance from the movie and whistling the song. And then he would do something to remind me that he was a 27-year-old guy who still indulged in video games and collected comic books and preferred animated sitcoms over ones with actual people. If it wasn't for his active sex life and full-time job, he could honestly be mistaken for a 12-year-old boy. I watched him as he stood there laughing and doing the Pee Wee Herman dance. And I began to think, if this was what I could expect from men my age, maybe I was past reinforcing that wall. Perhaps it was time to consider taking it down altogether. While I was contemplating the structural integrity of my dating life, Ty was entertaining the thought of rebuilding hers. She was technically a doctor already. She had her PhD. After completing graduate school, her practica, dissertation, and internship. But she wasn't licensed to practice just yet. She was in the middle of her postdoctoral fellowship basically supervised training and mentorship in her field to help prepare her for her specialty. She worked at an office in Southeast where she had quickly made nice with almost everyone who worked there, from the partners who were big-name doctors, some of whom had made the top doctors list for D.C., to the groundspeople who kept the place clean and running. She knew something about every single person working there, and they felt at ease with revealing very personal things to her without her even asking. She made it a point to get to work a half an hour early every day because she knew she needed extra time to engage the people she crossed paths with. So that day, as she was preparing to leave the office, she smiled as she approached the girl sitting at the front desk, Shawnice as she headed toward the door. Good night, see you tomorrow. Good night. Oh, Dr. Aldrich, um, someone left this here for you. She was pointing a small white envelope at Ty. 
who curiously walked back to accept it. She immediately opened it right then and there without hesitation and revealed, It's another card. Mm, that's the third one this month. For Mr. Pettigrew? Shawnice asked. Ty simply looked at her because it was, in fact, for Mr. Pettigrew. Hmm, maybe you should call him, Shawnee said. Hmm, technically, he's a patient, and I can't fraternize with a patient, Ty said. And Shawnee's raised one eyebrow, obviously keeping most of her thoughts about Ty's rule to herself. But then she finally did say, He's also a fine-ass single dietitian with a cute kid. Who's technically the patient here? Ty got the implication, smiled and said, Good night. Before walking off. This episode of Of Music and Men was written and produced by me, Kayana. Now, music for this episode was provided by Filmstro with some additional help by some great indie artists. It was also arranged and designed for this episode by yours truly. Now, later on, you're going to get a word of inspiration. As you know, that song was provided by or is provided by Scott Buckley. The song you're listening to right now is a song by Unminus. It's called Sad Circus. The song by Scott Buckley, incidentally, is Soar by Scott Buckley. We're going to have all this linked up in your show notes. So just check out your show notes and you'll get all the information on all the music. And a lot of these artists provide me with some really great free downloads for you. So go to those uh, show notes. You can get a free download um, for both of these songs, actually. Now, for more information on these artists, again, and how you can support their efforts, because that's what's most important, supporting these artists, you can visit our show notes in your podcast app, or you can go to musicandmen.com and select this episode. If you would like to have your music featured on the show, just check out our website for more information on how you can submit. There's a, a little... Uh, form you can fill out a little sheet you can fill out and it'll give you some information on how you can submit your music for us to consider to put into the show and we accept all kinds of music we're not prejudiced as far as the type of music as you heard uh we have jazz and classical and dubstep and all kinds of music so just uh submit your song uh, or any songs that you have and we'll listen to it and see if it fits one of our episodes and let you know now, Music and Men, of course, is much more than just a podcast. You probably know that by now. The novella series is available in online bookstores. Not the whole series, but just the pilot for now. But of course, check our website because we got some more information about the next set of novellas or the next novella coming up really soon. If you wish to have a physical copy, you can get it on our website at ofmusicandmen.com where you can also get merch, t-shirts, other cool merch, stuff like that. 
Don't forget to subscribe at Apple, Stitcher, or wherever it is you are listening to this podcast. And remember to rate and review. That is really, really important. Give it a give it what you want. I prefer a five star, but give it what you want. Rate it, review it, subscribe, and make sure to uh, share it with a friend. And I'd love to hear what you think, but share it with a friend too. Lastly, connect with us on Patreon. This is very important. This really, really helps. Connect with us on Patreon, where you can become a part of this journey and everything that it was meant to be. Help it to grow to everything it was meant to be. Make sure to share this some way, somehow, with at least one friend. And follow Of Music and Men everywhere online at Of Music and Men. And when you do, please don't hesitate to reach out. Artists and entrepreneurs are a very unique type. I mean, we face lots of rejection, almost too often for comfort. So whether you're a seasoned business owner or creator, aspiring to be one, or you're just simply here because you want to hear a good story, it's no problem. I want to always leave you with something to ponder until next time. Today's word is from Rudyard Kipling. Of all the liars in the world, sometimes the worst are your own fears. Now, I can speak on this just a little bit. Now, personally, I try my best not to let my fears dictate anything that I want to do. Sometimes we can have a vision for something we want to do. And the first thing that comes to mind is I'm not ready. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. That's actually funny enough. Part of the whole plot for Of Music and Men is to show you Kenya Shaw, a character who's in the wrong city for music business stuff. I mean, most would say DC is not necessarily Nashville or New York, but she does it anyway. She's not necessarily representing what some might say the perfect artists, but she does it anyway. And we can go on and on about a lot of the things that if she wants to be successful, she simply just doesn't have. She doesn't have the money. I mean, we can go on and on and on about those things. But as far as business is concerned, she tries her best not to let her fears dictate what she wants to do ultimately. So again, don't let your fears lie to you. You can start wherever you are with whatever you have and just let it grow. Just start wherever you are. And allow yourself the freedom and flexibility to fail. It's okay. But one thing that you shouldn't do is not start or not do what you want to do simply because you're scared. 